0: host, Dr. Justine Lee, and I'm a board-certified emergency critical care specialist and toxicologist. Thanks for joining us today. Today, we're going to be talking about gastroenteritis, which honestly is just a fancy way of saying inflammation of the stomach and intestines. We'll be right back after these messages. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite is... Nutrition. Pick up two bottles of Lico Chops, get the third bottle free. New improved Lico Chops with Omega 3, Omega 6, Vitamin E. And now six extra direct-fed microbials. Even better for the digestive tract and immune system. Try LicoChops. Buy two, get one free at dinovite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot oh. com. Let's talk pets on petliferadio.com. to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Today, we're going to be talking about acute inflammation of the gastrointestinal tract. The fancy medical term for this is called gastroenteritis, but this is honestly one of the number one causes of visits to the emergency room for both dogs and cats. Now, I work in the ER vet and I see a lot of patients come in with vomiting and diarrhea and there's a lot of different causes for it, depending on if it's a dog, a cat, a puppy versus an older dog, but some of the general causes for gastroenteritis include bacterial infections like the bacteria Clostridium or Campylobacter, viral infections like parvovirus, and we've talked about this before on a previous ER vet episode, so make sure to tune in because that one's a really important one, especially if you have puppies. Parasitic infections like having whipworms, roundworms, hookworms, or a Parasite called coccidia can also cause a lot of gastroenteritis, rare fungal infections, depending on where you live. I live in Minnesota and we have a fungal infection called blastomycosis, which is in our state. And so sometimes that can result in gastrointestinal signs in addition to pulmonary signs or skin changes too. Sometimes something as simple as dietary changes, an acute change in the diet can also result in gastroenteritis. That's one of the reasons why I'm a proponent. You should never change your dog or cat's food very quickly. You run out of food, please don't go out and buy a brand new different type of food. Your dog and especially your cat want a gradual change. So when you're getting to the bottom fifth of the bag, that's when you want to start mixing in the other type. I also see dietary changes when a dog goes into a backyard or into a park and eats a bunch of rabbit poop or goose poop. So simple dietary changes or inappropriate dietary indiscretion, in other words, getting into people food or goose poop or something unusual, can also cause gastroenteritis. And the last two causes are sometimes stress-related or medication-related. If you've ever been really stressed, some people will get something called stress colitis and colitis means inflammation of the colon well dogs and cats can get that sometimes too maybe your dog was just boarded at a boarding facility for a couple of days they oftentimes will get a stress colitis from this for all you greyhound owners out there greyhounds or sighthounds are especially sensitive to stress related colitis at least in my personal experience And the last one, medication. If you just started an antibiotic in your dog or your cat, sometimes that can alter the bacteria in their gastrointestinal tract. Now, remember, there are billions and billions of normal bacteria within the gastrointestinal tract in dogs, cats, humans, all different species. And sometimes when we alter that with a diet change, with stress or medication, again, it may cause an overgrowth of one bad type of bacteria resulting in gastroenteritis. Now, there's a bunch of other causes, but those are the biggest causes of gastroenteritis that I see. Now, when a dog comes in or a cat comes in for vomiting and diarrhea, your vet's going to want to do a pretty extensive workout. Now, this is really going to depend on how acute the signs are and how severe they are. In other words, if your dog vomits once or your cat vomits two or three times in one night, eh. I don't worry too, too much. I'm still going to keep a careful eye on them. But if the signs become more severe, your dog has been vomiting six times, 12 times in one day, can't hold down any type of water, please make sure to get to a vet right away. We often have too high of a tolerance of vomiting in cats. I'll talk to pet owners and they'll say, oh yeah, my cat normally vomits once a week. Once a week is way too often. If you vomited once a week, wouldn't you wanna go to a medical doctor and find out what's going on? We often blame this on hairballs. We blame it on you know, dry food when in actuality, if they're vomiting that frequently, even for a cat, it's not hairballs, it's something else going on. So make sure to get to a veterinarian because your vet's gonna want to do appropriate workup. Now, what are the clinical signs of gastroenteritis? I already talked about vomiting and diarrhea, but some other signs include drooling. If you notice your dog or your cat is drooling, this is usually secondary to severe nausea. Having bloody stool, a painful abdomen, stretching out with the front legs and sort of doing a doggy down yoga position is often a sign of belly pain. Being weak or lethargic for cats, hiding or not eating anything at all showing signs of dehydration or weight loss, feeling too cold or too warm to the touch. These are all potential signs of gastroenteritis. Now, there are a couple of breeds and ages of dogs and cats that potentially may be more predisposed to some of these different types of causes. While no particular breed of dog or cat Definitely gets gastroenteritis. I will say that certain breeds develop inherited causes for similar look alike diseases for gastroenteritis. For example, for all you miniature Schnauzer, Yorkshire Terrier, or Shetland Sheepdog owners, please make sure to check out our previous episode on ER Vet on Pet Life Radio on pancreatitis. We talked about this before where dogs can develop a potentially life threatening inflammation of their pancreas. German shepherds are more predisposed to developing something called exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, what we abbreviate EPI, and this can cause weight loss despite eating ravenously, and it causes paler-looking feces. This is never normal, and it means the pancreas isn't working, but it's totally easy to diagnose and to treat. Your German Shepherd just needs a type of pancreatic enzyme that's sprinkled on their food for the rest of their life. Smaller dogs with smushed faces, what we call brachiocephalic breeds like Shih Tzu's, Pekingese. Lassa opsas, these are often more likely to develop abnormal thickening of their stomach called pyloric stenosis. Young puppies that haven't been vaccinated or are really, really stressed. Maybe a rescue group just drove them up from the south. They're transporting them to a new adoption center in Minnesota. Just being on a car ride for so long can result in stress-related gastroenteritis. Puppies and younger dogs are also more likely to have parasites or even dietary changes during weaning off their mother. And again, all these are important rule-outs for gastroenteritis. We'll continue with this really important topic on gastroenteritis right after these messages from our sponsors. Hair, hair everywhere! How do you manage your cat's hair, hairballs, and dander when they're not really fond of bathing? The answer is just a whisker away with Catnip Bath Wipes from Whitegate. It's the only cat wipe on the market that's infused with natural catnip oil. Catnip Bath Wipes will leave your cat happy, calm, and playful, and you'll both look forward to bath time. Go to whitegateinc.com, that's W H Y T E G A T E I N C.com, and enter the code CATNIP for 15% off site wide plus free shipping. That's right, 15% off. We're not kidding. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Pet com. To ER vet on Pet Life Radio, we've been talking about the dirty topic of vomiting and diarrhea, or what I often diagnose as gastroenteritis. Now, when I diagnose this in the ER vet, a lot of pet owners will say, "Well, what caused it?" Sometimes we don't actually ever find the cause of gastroenteritis. It could be just a simple dietary change that I talked about before. Your dog ate goose poop, or ate rabbit poop in the backyard, you change the diet really quickly, there was inflammation of the gastrointestinal tract from medication or from stress. So again, there's a lot of different general causes of gastroenteritis. But the important thing to consider is that we have to do a diagnostic workup to make sure that we're ruling out other medical problems. So get to your veterinarian or your ER vet if the signs progress. In other words, one episode of vomiting, one episode of diarrhea, I don't become too worried about, but if it becomes more pronounced, your dog is lethargic, your dog is vomited six to seven to eight times in a 24 hour period, your cat's hiding, all these signs, you want to get to a vet right away. The reason why we want you to get to a vet is because we want to do a thorough physical exam. I want to make sure your pet doesn't have a painful abdomen, that they're not dehydrated. I also want to do a couple of blood tests like a complete blood count to evaluate the white and red blood cell count and the platelet count. I want to do a biochemistry panel or what we often call a chemistry to look at the protein, the salt balance, the kidney and liver function. Sometimes I'll do a fecal sample to rule out parasitic infection or abnormal bacterial overgrowth. I oftentimes will do a urine sample to evaluate the kidney function. If the belly's painful, I oftentimes want to do abdominal x-rays because I want to make sure there's not something stuck in the intestines that's causing the vomiting. I want to make sure there's no obstruction, no cancer, no abnormal fluid or gas in the intestines or abdomen that may warrant surgery. Depending on what these initial tests show, more advanced diagnostics may be necessary to rule out other underlying problems. If it's a breed like a miniature Schnauzer or Yorkshire Terrier, or Shetland's sheepdog, I may actually want to do an abdominal ultrasound. An ultrasound is different from x-rays because an ultrasound lets us look at the architecture of all the organs. So what we're doing is very similar to a pregnancy ultrasound. Doesn't hurt your dog or cat at all, but we have to shave the abdomen. And that's when we use a special probe to look at the stomach, the intestines, the pancreas, the spleen, the liver, the kidneys. We do a really thorough ultrasound to make sure nothing else is going on. One other additional test we may consider is something called a CPL, a canine pancreas specific lipase test. This test isn't 100% accurate and has to be interpreted appropriately by your veterinarian, but this is a relatively easy blood test to help rule in or rule out inflammation in the pancreas or pancreatitis. Certain types of testing for viruses, like a parvovirus fecal test, may be necessary. Very rarely, an endoscopy needs to be done. This is similar to a colonoscopy in a human, but we're sliding the camera and the biopsy tool in an anesthetized dog or cat where it goes down the stomach. Down the mouth into the intestines to help rule out other causes like inflammatory bowel disease and very rarely Some causes of vomiting and diarrhea can require surgery if it's a foreign body or obstruction Now if we ruled out any kind of surgical emergency if we ruled out any kind of metabolic problems like kidney disease or liver issues And we find out that it looks like it's inflammation of the stomach and intestines the treatment is good When we treat gastroenteritis, our biggest goal is hydration. I worry when your dog or cat vomits a lot or has excessive watery diarrhea. And the main reason why is because your dog or cat can get dehydrated really quickly. So what's our goal with treatment? When it comes to treatment for gastroenteritis, I typically will use fluid therapy. If your dog or cat is stable, I'll oftentimes give this subcutaneously under the skin. And that means I'm going to give a big bubble of sterile fluids under the skin. Your pet can go home. It doesn't require hospitalization. And that's a simple, easy way to help hydrate your pet. However, if your pet has more severe signs, they're vomiting constantly, then I usually recommend hospitalizing your pet with intravenous fluids where it goes directly into the arm through an IV catheter. This typically requires full-day hospitalization or even 24-hour hospitalization at an ER vet. The next part of treatment are really strong anti-vomiting medications. If you've ever taken Zofran, quote-unquote, this is ondansetron, and there's a lot of strong anti-vomiting medications out there. The one I use the most commonly is called Maropitant, or it goes by the trade name, Serenium. I usually give this IV to dogs or cats, but sometimes I'll actually send dog and cat owners home with this so they can give this at home. Sometimes we'll use antacids if your dog or cat is vomiting a lot in case they have a lot of gastric acid in their stomach. We may use drugs that stimulate movement of the intestines, what we call prokinetics. If abdominal pain is present, I'll often reach for a pain medication. If it's a young puppy or a young kitten, I usually will go ahead and deworm your pet just in case gastrointestinal parasites are present. And most importantly, diet. One of my main goals of diet with the treatment of gastroenteritis is a bland high fiber diet. I love high fiber diets that are prescription brand, so one of the examples is something called WD, weight diet, that's what it stands for. This is something that I only put a dog or cat on for several days, but it really helps resolve the signs of the diarrhea immediately. I always warn people, when you feed that high fiber food, it oftentimes transiently changes the color of the feces to an abnormal pale yellow, but it's one of the best ways of helping resolve the diarrhea right away. Very rarely will I reach for an antibiotic. Now, there are antibiotics called metronidazole. And this is actually an antibiotic that we will use to treat different parasites like Jardia. We'll use it to treat bacterial overgrowth if your dog has a lot of clostridium. But my typical issue with giving this is you have to commit to giving it to a full three weeks. That's twice a day for three weeks. Most pet owners can't do that or they're not going to finish it. And the pill is super, super bitter. So I don't reach for this antibiotic right away. Most of the time, I feel like a diet change with a low-fat, high-fiber diet, fluid therapy, and anti-vomiting medication work best. More importantly, how do we prevent gastroenteritis? The best way to prevent a visit to the ER vet or your veterinarian is by preventative care. If you have a young puppy or young kitten, please make sure that your pet is well vaccinated. This is going to protect them against some of the most common viral causes of diarrhea, like parvovirus or panleukopenia. Make sure your dog's on a monthly heartworm preventative or flea and tick preventative because these oftentimes will also treat gastrointestinal parasites. Make sure to keep your dog away from table scraps, garbage, or anything that can pose a poisoning risk. Like I mentioned before, if you're changing diets, please make sure to do so slowly, especially if you're talking about a cat. They don't like any type of sudden change. I always want diets changed slowly over several days or even weeks to allow the gastrointestinal tract time to adjust to the new diet. Again, cats are very, very sensitive to this. So I generally recommend changing diets slowly over a month in cats. When in doubt, please talk to your veterinarian for more tips on how to keep your dog and cat safe from gastroenteritis. Most importantly, know that the prognosis for gastroenteritis is excellent. But you don't want to wait until your pet is very dehydrated from profuse vomiting or diarrhea before seeking assistance. When in doubt, keep in mind the sooner you seek veterinary attention and treat the clinical signs, the less costly it may be because we might be able to treat it on an outpatient basis. Thankfully, with supportive care, the prognosis for gastroenteritis or inflammation of the stomach and intestinal tract is excellent. Well, that brings us to the end of today's show. Find me at drjustinelee.com, on Facebook at Dr. Justine Lee, or email me your pet questions at drjustine at petliferadio.com. With that, we're out of time, and we want to thank Mark Winter, our producer, for making this show possible. See you at the next episode. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on petliferadio.com.